here we are, playing with paradox. <laughs> yep, we're still here. <laughs> I swear, we started off the month, right, examining paradox of our time, and then we moved along and we talked about the par paradox of our age. Two important topics, although it escapes me why they are. And then last week, Reverend Jean brought us the third way, which I thought was fascinating, bringing together these two seemingly opposing views, right, to birth a third or a best way, right, best practice way, and I loved it. So you're going to explain it to me later, right, what we're talking about when we talk about paradox, because today I'm talking about the biggest paradox of, I think, religious science, which is letting go and receiving, right? That's today's talk, letting go and receiving, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Holy moly, there is the paradox, letting go and receiving. Wait, what? You know, wait, what? Letting go, you know, this is the, fourth, uh, the fifth stage, right, of our affirmative prayer. We have R-U-R-T-R, -R -R, right? We, we shorten it, are you ready to receive? I love that. Ah, it's like a little acronym. Anyway, <laughs> it takes little to amuse me. Okay, so, <laughs> so recognition, unification, realization, that's the I know and accept stage, right? And then thanksgiving and release. Release is the fifth step. It's really, really important. It's right there in our prayer. So it's got to be really, really important. We sing about it, right? I release and I let go. Come on, choir, come join me. I release and I let go. Yeah, okay, you know. Ugh. Anyway, we sing about it. It is that important. And, and the release step is there for a good reason. It's there. <sighs> so that we let go, we let go, and we trust spirit. We have to let go so that spirit can handle it from there. And that takes trust, doesn't it? Or it's like that old story. There's an old story about a little girl with a broken doll, right? Her little broken dolly that she loved, loved, loves. And her dad said, let me take a look at it. I think I can fix it for you, but she can't let go of it, right? She loves it so much, she won't. He can't pry it out of her hands so that he can take it to the workbench to fix it. And that's the way we are, right, a lot of times with our challenges and our problems, is that we won't let go of them long enough to let spirit take over and let spirit handle them and fix them, right? Ernest Holmes talks about planting seeds. He, that's the analogy he's always used in this teaching, is the idea, the divine idea, the thing that comes through you is planted into that receptive medium, that universal receptive mind, the creative medium, and, and it can grow there. The seed, the thought, the thing of your desire can grow there. And the law takes over at that point. The law is that creative medium. It takes over there and it starts growing the seed into a plant. And then form happens. Uh, he says, just, just as a person plants a seed in a garden and puts into the ground the seeds of what he wants to grow or flower for him, the creative principle acts on the seeds to bring forth that which is invisible image or essence within the seed. There is an invisible essence within the seed. The whole plant is within the seed, isn't it? so that it can grow into, into formation. The, the law has its way with it, the soil has its way with it, and what was inside then becomes a plant. So, we plant this seed of thought. We plant the seed of thought only to disturb it by digging it up every few minutes. 
wondering where the plant is, wondering what's happening, wondering why it hasn't bloomed yet, why it hasn't sprouted, why isn't it above the ground. <laughs> Ernest Holmes goes on to say, we plant the seed, it evolves a plant. To plant a seed of thought then, and then uproot it with doubt or denial or undue haste or anxiety, anybody? is to neutralize our own effort. It is to neutralize our own effort. It would be like planting corn and then uprooting it every few days to see if it's growing. We must learn to trust the law of growth since it is a natural part of the order of cause and effect. We have to put it in there. We have to trust <sighs> something is at work doing what it does, whatever you want to call it, and that the result is the plant in its own time, in its own way. You know those stories about the bamboo? You know, have you heard those stories? They, for years and years, there are certain species of bamboo that you plant the seed in the ground and you water it and you give it sun and you water it and you give it sun and you water it and you give it sun for like six or seven years and nothing happens. And then after about seven years, it finally breaks through the ground and a little tiny bamboo plant. And then it can grow six feet in a season. Right? So it's just its own way, its own timing. We need to trust that and water it and give it sun and water it and give it sun. We need to learn to trust the law, that aspect of the divine, the universal subjective mind. Ernest Holmes called it that because it's subject to something. He called it the subjective mind. This is the aspect of God called the universal subjective mind because it is subject to something. It's subject to the word. The seed. All it can do is receive the seed and then do what it does. Open up the seed, crack it open, do what it does in the dark, just like the soil does. Subject to the thought that is put into it. We trust it to do its job. Its job. Not ours, its. We have our own job to do, right? That's trusting, that's having faith, that's moving forward, taking the steps we take at the level of the effect, at the, at the physical level, doing what is ours to do. You know, Oswald Chambers said, we have to pray with our eyes on God and not on our difficulties. <laughs> well, you know, a couple of years ago, after my dad passed, I arranged to have some pieces of furniture moved from my dad's house in Florida to my house here in San Diego. And they were beautiful pieces, six just really gorgeous pieces of furniture, antiques, have been in the family for generations. And the movers came and got the things. And my sister and my brother-in-law, God bless them. They were a godsend. Kathy and Tom wrote down everything. You know, the names of the movers and the license plate of the truck and the, you know, just everything, everything, everything. They wrote down, I was like, what, the time that they were there, the time that they left, the whole bit. Thank God. Okay. So a few weeks later, or I don't know, a few months maybe, I don't even remember. I get a call. The, the crates had been delivered here in San Diego, and another truck was going to bring them here. Yay, I'm getting my things. So, the shipment comes, and it's short, one piece of furniture. And I said, excuse me, 
<laughs> uh, shipped six, got five, um, there's a problem here. And they got poor gentleman that, you know, he was like, mm, I, I just brought you crates, that's all I do, that's my job, I bring you crates. <sighs> and so they questioned the delivery guy, of course, and he only makes deliveries here in San Diego. So then I called the Florida guys. <sighs> Those were the ones who brought the furniture to the warehouse, crated it for shipping. And I said, you forgot something. <laughs> One more piece, you forgot a piece. I got five, and I needed six. And he said, oh, no, everything we took from your house, we packed and shipped. And I said, um, but then I would have had six pieces, and I only have five. So I'm short one piece, so you left it out somewhere in the, along the way. And he said, are you calling me a liar? And I went, well, you're calling me a liar. You see how it devolves? <laughs> okay, so it was like, no, there were six pieces. And what did you do with the other one, you know? And where did it go? And how come? And I just, you know, did you ever do that? Anybody ever go there? Okay, so I called the guy every day. I was like, hey, Sparky, look, it's your daily call from me. Have you found my piece of furniture yet? Not only did I call him, but I faxed him pictures of the furniture that was missing. And I faxed the workers, and I faxed the owners, and I called, and I sent pictures to everybody, and I put a reward on it, and I just called him up every day. This is your daily call from you-know-who from California. Oh, my God. And I will be your worst nightmare. I'm a minister on a mission. <laughs> Good Lord, do you ever? Have you ever? And you know, and I thought, oh my God, I am exhausting myself here, right? Now you're going to ask me, did I go to prayer? Well, of course, it's the first thing we do, right? I went to prayer. I went to that most physical of prayers. You know what I'm talking about, right? When we're supposed to be in the mind of the absolute, but we're really in the mind of the condition, and we're praying for absolute vengeance. <laughs> And I'm thinking, wow, okay, <laughs> you know. And so here, here's God. Here's what you got to do, God. You've got to get me that piece of furniture back, and I want Sparky over there and smited. You know the one in Florida? Smite him. Would you please smite him for me? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the prayer in the beginning, right? I am just so cute when I'm spinning out of control. <laughs> you know, I just like adorable, right? Aren't you adorable when you spin out of control, like when you totally lose it? So after the physical prayer, right, after, the, after exhausting all possible energy that I had in my body about this, finally surrendered, right? Do you get to that place of surrender? I got nothing. I've just got surrender. And I finally run out of prayers about the difficulty. I'm done with prayers about the difficulty, and overcoming the difficulty. And finally, I pray on God. I pray on God, spirit, the ineffable, the unknowable, the ground of all being. And I pray peace. And I pray peace, because that's really where, where I, I wanted to be. I just wanted to be at peace over this. And then I released. And then I let it go. And then I receive. Isn't that the way it works? 
Ernest Holmes said, as your consciousness lifts itself above the problem into spiritual atmosphere of affirmation, the problem disappears and the answer takes its place. And about a half hour later, the woman from the original company I hired to move this stuff called, well, actually, she emailed me with a picture, with a photo of my furniture and asked me, was this the missing piece? <laughs> and that's what I said. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, where did you find it? And she said, San Francisco. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, Sparky in Florida. San Diego, San Francisco, meh, what's the diff? <laughs> I still had work to do, forgiving him, apparently, right? But how many times do we fall into that? Anybody? Anybody else besides me? Fall into trying to fix the situation? Trying to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. So we attach ourselves to, to it physically at first. I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to move it over here, right? That's the physical solution to our problem. And then there's the mental, right? I'm just going to pray that this moves over here. I'm going to pray it here. We go to the mental solution, and then finally, 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 we move into the realm of the absolute. <sighs> wow. I surrender. I surrender. All right? God does what God does. I can just do what I can do. I can spend a lot of time in the difficulty I have found, <laughs> wrestling it, wrestling it to the ground. You know that place in the Bible where they wrestled the angel for the blessing? Kind of the thing. I mean, really. Wrestling it, beating it up, trying to solve it, pushing it to a conclusion, forcing things to try to happen until finally, finally, finally we surrender. And sometimes, Rarely, rarely. Sometimes I go directly to surrender, don't you? Sometimes it's like, I know, I just know. I know, nothing is lost in God, everything's, everything's well. But sometimes I have to go through all of the drama, all of the melodrama. But when we, when we dwelling in answered prayer, when we dwell in answered prayer, there is no situation to be overcome. There is no situation to be overcome. There is just God to be realized. Let go and receive. Let go and receive. Ernest Holmes said, every problem contains its own answer. If you think of the problem as a question, an inquiry, and not as an obstruction. And I think this is Noah St. John's book. Affirmations. He talks about asking the right questions. Ask the right questions, right? So we ask our problems, we turn our problems into questions. Why is this? Why is that? They're inquiries. They're not problems to be overcome. <clears throat> and then Ernest Holmes said, thinking this way will help your mind not, on, will, will keep your mind not on the repetitious thought of the problem, but on the receipt of a definite answer. And that's where we need to be. And as long as we keep concentrating on the problem, as long as we keep concentrating on fixing the problem, we are immersed in the problem. Do you see, see how that works? We are, we're feeding the problem, really. When you're stuck in the problem, you are feeding the problem with your own energy. Our energy is the currency we use when we pay attention. See, we pay. Get it? Ah, oh, isn't that hilarious? Okay. Energy is the currency we use when we pay attention to something. So we're sending it all of that energy. We have to lift ourselves, like Ernest Holmes said, lift ourselves into the spiritual atmosphere of affirmation. 
and stop dwelling in the difficulty. And in Science of Mind, he said, cause and effect are but two sides of one thought. <clears throat> Spirit being all is both cause and effect. Prayer, then, is its own answer. The Bible tells us before they call, I will answer, right? So before our prayer is even framed in words, God already knows. The answer is already there. But if our prayer is one of partial belief, Ernest Holmes says, then there's only a tendency toward an answer. If the next day we are wholly in doubt, then there's no answer at all. We are dealing with mind. We are dealing with a force we cannot fool. And Emma Curtis Hopkins, bless her little soul, she said to us, God does not work in a lie, which is kind of like an in-your-face sort of way of saying the same thing. God does not work in a lie. And when we are doubting spirit's ability to do what it does, we are lying to ourselves. Spirit is that ineffable source. Spirit is that em eminent and transcendent force that is within us and beyond us and beyond all and can do anything with anything. And we're going, yeah, but not this, <laughs> right? I am the one and only exception to God's rule. <laughs> it won't work for me. God does all there is to do. God does all there is to do through us. Remember going back to Emma. God works through me to will and to do whatever ought to be done by me. We must surrender. We must give up to God what is God's to do. And we must do our work, which is faith and trust and belief and belief that good abounds all the time, everywhere. Because that's all there is, is God. Ernest said, <laughs> I love this, Ernest said, the answer to the prayer is the prayer when it is being prayed. The answer to the prayer is in the prayer when it's being prayed. The belief of the one praying sets in motion the law of love, which is the fundamental law of the universe. The very act of praying in itself has the answer. Wholly focused on our good. Wholly focused on our God, on our goal. Letting go of the how, right? Everybody wants to work for God, but only as an advisor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here's what you do. <laughs> Let me tell you. Right? Well, I want to tell God what to do. Here you go. Let me just shh, quiet. Sit down. Let me talk to you. We have to let go of that. Let go. Open our hands from, from, from what we're hanging on to. Right? And you, normally what we're hanging on to is the way it should be, or the way it should go, or the way it should happen. Right? We have to let go of that. Our hands have to be open. Let go what we're carrying, what we're holding, our presumptions, our ideas, our own expectations, so that we have our hands open so that we can accept the new thing, whatever it is. Oh, you can't accept anything new if you're clutching, if your hands are balled up and you're clutching what you already have, right? You're clutching things. You ever see people walking around and they got their hands closed and they got stuff under their arms and they're walking? Those are the people I always ask, hey, can you tell me the time? <laughs> it's just a joke. I said little things amuse me. <laughs> anyway... You know, if you're hanging on to everything, you cannot accept anything new. You've got to let go in order to receive. Our hands have to be open. We cannot accept the new thing if we're still grasping and clutching the old thing. Let go and receive. Let go and receive. Let go 
and receive. Thank you. Thank you for listening. At Vision, a center for spiritual living, we transform lives through practical spirituality. Please donate to Vision by visiting our website, visioncsl.org, or text to 619-505-3359.